We're going to open our Bibles again now. And we're going to be reading from Revelation chapter 21. It's not too hard to find. Right near the back. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Pete. Thanks very much for reading uh, for us, uh, Jocelyn. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Peter Orr, and uh, why don't we pray and we'll look at God's words uh, together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is uh, living and active. And we pray that as we uh, read uh, now and as we think about how uh, the Bible holds together, uh, we pray that you would increase our confidence in your word and uh, deepen our love for you. And we ask this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week and next week, uh, we're not going to be looking at one particular passage uh, in the Bible, uh, which is our normal practice here on a Sunday morning, uh, but we're going to be uh, looking at the whole Bible and thinking about the whole Bible holds uh, together. And I think that's important for us to do uh, for three reasons. Firstly, understanding how the whole Bible fits together increases our confidence in the Bible. Uh, this book is God's Word. And it has a single overarching message for us. It's not just a, a collection of, of kind of random stories and accounts. No, there is an overarching message. Now, we'll only scratch the surface these Sunday mornings, but hopefully we'll see something of the richness of the Bible and seeing how all these different writers different, uh, writing at different times and in different places combine to communicate one overarching message. In other words, we'll see what it means in practice that the Bible is not just a collection of random thoughts from human authors, but that it is the very Word of God written, communicating an overarching message. Uh, secondly, seeing how the whole Bible fits together helps us as we come to read the Bible. Uh, there are parts of the Bible that are you know, fairly easy for us to read and apply. Uh, we recently had a sermon series on Colossians, 
And, uh, you know, there we have uh, a, a letter that Paul writes to a church, to people who in some ways are very similar to us, and it's very easy to, to draw the, the, the correct application uh, from that letter. But what about the parts of the Bible that maybe we don't often look at? Uh, what do we do with the lists of names in 1 Chronicles? Uh, what about the descriptions of all the different sacrifices in Leviticus? What about the book of Esther that doesn't even mention God? Uh, what do we do and how do we understand and apply those parts of the Bible? Now, we won't necessarily be answering, uh, well, we won't be answering all those questions, uh, but hopefully we'll have something of a framework that will help us as we uh, approach the Bible as a whole. But thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, understanding how the whole Bible fits together helps us to grow in our faith in and love for the Lord Jesus. We'll see that the overall message of the Bible centers on Jesus. And so uh, my, my real prayer is that as we, uh, as we look at the Bible these two uh, weeks, that our faith in him and our love for him will be strengthened. Well, I just want to ask uh, two questions as we, as we begin. Firstly, what is the Bible? You know, what, what is the Bible? If someone asked you, what is the Bible, what would you say? Maybe you'd say it's a collection of wise sayings. That's sometimes how we can approach uh, the Bible. We, we sort of approach the Bible, you know, we dip into it when we need inspiration. And, you know, there are wise sayings in the Bible. The, the Bible's full of wisdom. The book of Proverbs is really a collection of wise sayings. But that sort of approach of, you know, flicking through the Bible and trying to find some kind of inspiration for the day, that's not really what the, the Bible is. Maybe we think of it like a user manual for life, a user manual for life. Uh, we consult it when we don't know what to do. Maybe when we're in a, a tricky situation or we're a bit confused with what to do uh, in life. Uh, but user manuals uh, usually stay on the shelf unless we need them. So the Bible is not a, uh, it's not a user manual for life. The Bible is God's living and active word. God's living and active word. Hebrews 4, verse 12, a few verses on from where we read this morning, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. The, the Bible is a living book. The Bible is God's word. And so when we approach it, we are hearing God speak. It's living. It's not dead. That's why we, we pick it up every day, because every day it is, it is fresh. Um, I thought of a, uh, an illustration uh, this morning. I haven't had time to think if it's a good illustration, so you can tell me afterwards. But uh, if, maybe, maybe you don't waste time on Twitter, but one of the reasons uh, you know, people waste time on Twitter is because there's, there's always something new, and so you kind of keep refreshing to see if there's something, something new, some helpful new insight someone's given or some, you know, something you, you just want to keep reading and, because it's fresh. And the Bible is not like Twitter in many, many, many ways, but in the way that it is, it is fresh. And every time we come to it, uh, you know, we hear God speak. That, that, in a sense, is the way we're to approach the Bible. It is God's living and active word. So that, what is the Bible? Uh, what is the Bible about? I think so often we approach the Bible as if, you know, it's about, it's wisdom from God, uh, you know, about me and my life. 
Again, we read it to get inspiration. Now, the, the Bible does speak to me. It encourages me. It, it rebukes me. It corrects me. It teaches me. It is, it is so helpful for me living my life as a Christian. But the Bible is not about me. It's not about me. The Bible is about God. The Bible is about God. But can we say more than that? Can we say more than that? Well, I think we can. And here's a summary uh, of the Bible. And I think this is the first uh, slide. Yep. So we're going to be looking at quite a few verses. So the, the, uh, the verses uh, will come up on the, uh, the slides behind me. Here's, here's a summary of the Bible. The Bible is about God's plan to fix the universe, including us, through his son. God's plan is uh, God's plan to fix the universe, including us, through his son. So Ephesians 1 verse 10, God's plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in Jesus Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. The Bible is about God. Uh, the Bible is uh, about God's plan to fix everything through Jesus Christ things in heaven and things on earth. And that means if the Bible is about God, if the Bible is about God's plan to fix the universe, well then the first question we should be asking when we read the Bible is not, what does God want me to do today? That's not a, that's not a bad question to ask, but it's not the first question that we ask. The first question we ask is, how does how does this passage that I'm reading help me understand God's plan to fix the universe through Jesus? And how do I fit into that plan? So it's a, it's a reorientating of, of how we, we read the Bible. It's not about us. It is about God's plan to fix the universe through Jesus. And how do I fit into that uh, plan? So I think we can uh, summarize the message of the Bible in nine words. Okay, in nine words. I'm going to try and do it in nine words. And they all begin with either C or F. Okay, so hopefully by the end of uh, this morning, you'll have nine words that you can kind of hold in your head that sort of just help you to, to hold the whole Bible together. The first word you probably guess is creation. Uh, creation, uh, Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then uh, towards the end of that chapter, Genesis 1, verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Now, uh, we could spend a lot of time looking at Genesis 1, uh, but kind of the key truth we need to grasp is that God's creation was very good. God made the world, and it was good. It was very good. And yet, and this might seem a little counterintuitive, uh, in Genesis 1, God's creation was not yet complete. It was not yet complete. God commissions Adam and Eve, verse 28. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, there was work to be done. What that means is that creation was very good, but it was not complete. It was not fully formed. It was uh, not yet finished. 
there's something of a parallel, and again, this is another illustration I thought of this morning, so again, please tell me if you think this is not helpful. But it, when you read in Luke chapter 2, uh, when Jesus was born, we know that Jesus, the, the sinless Son of God, when he was born, uh, Luke tells us, uh, chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Uh, Jesus was born as the perfect, sinless Son of God, and yet he needed to grow. And I think it's the same with creation. It is created very good. It is created without sin uh, in the world, and yet there's a sense in which it needed to, uh, to grow. And Adam and Eve were commissioned to, to um, you know, bring creation to its uh, completion. What that means is that God did not create the world as a static entity that was uh, fully firm, formed and that human beings just had to make sure that things weren't messed up. No, they had a role to play. Chapter 1, verse 28, they had to subdue creation. They had to subdue creation. Now, that's interesting when you think about it, that language of subduing. That, that sort of sounds like something is not quite right. It sounds like something is not quite right. And we'll, we see that something is not quite right when Satan comes into the garden in the form of a snake. If Adam and Eve had done their God-given role properly, uh, they would have resisted Satan. And uh, that's why the Gospels uh, often point Jesus in, in terms that remind us of Adam. They'll describe Jesus in, in ways that are like Adam, uh, because the second Adam, Jesus, resists Satan in a way that the first Adam didn't. However, and I know I'm skipping over masses of detail, and I think I probably will say that multiple times um, this morning, uh, Adam and Eve do not subdue Satan. They listen to him, and they take fruit from the tree that God had commanded them not to eat from. And so that leads to our second word, curse. Curse. Genesis 3, verse 17, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. God had told Adam, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Uh, when Adam does eat, he, he doesn't immediately die physically, he's still alive, but he dies spiritually, and that spiritual death leads in time to his physical death, okay? The punishment of death is described here in terms of a curse. Adam sins, which leads to God's curse, which leads to death. The curse of death hangs over creation. That's why it's so significant, thinking to the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, when John is describing the new creation, he says, no longer will there be any curse. And really, that's the story of the Bible. How do we get from the, the cursed creation of Genesis 3 to no curse in Revelation 22, and that is the, the, the story of, uh, of the Bible. And really that God's cursing of creation and humanity because of Adam's sin uh, explains why the world is the way uh, that it is. 
and uh, Justine uh, uh, prayed earlier and, and reflected on uh, the, the, the obvious ways we see uh, kind of the effects of the curse in our, uh, our world today. This is how Paul puts it in Romans 8 verse 20, the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation uh, is in bondage. It is in bondage to the curse because of Adam's sin. But there's hope. There is hope. And in a world of curse, uh, God speaks a word of blessing. And that's our next word, uh, creation, curse, and then thirdly, covenant, covenant. Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord uh, said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God makes a strong promise. Uh, that's, uh, in essence, what a covenant is. It's a very strong, solemn, solemn promise with Abraham. Uh, that the earth, uh, human beings are cursed, but God promises blessing. Not just for Abraham, but all peoples on earth will be blessed. Uh, this is the most important promise that has ever been made. And it shows us the power of God's word. God created the world through his word. Now God will fix the world, recreate the world, renew the world through his word. He will overcome curse with blessing, and he will overcome it for the whole world. Uh, later, uh, uh, God sort of repeats the promise uh, to Abraham in Genesis uh, verse 22. And uh, in these verses, he, he focuses the promise uh, a little bit. Uh, he says that you will have as many offspring as the sand on the seashore, and your offspring will bring blessing to the world. And so as the Bible continues, the focus switches, in a sense, to Abraham's offspring, Hope for the world, blessing for the world, is through Abraham's offspring. And uh, again, here's my, uh, my caveat. We really are skipping a lot of material here. But the Bible kind of continues it in the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, the offspring of Abraham, they become uh, the focus. And as we read, we, we kind of think, well, this blessing that God's promised to the world, it's going to come through, through Israel. God focuses on Israel and uh, begins to bless the world or, or commissions Israel to bless the world uh, and, and bring that promised blessing. And uh, there are lots of ups and downs in Israel's history, probably more downs than ups, uh, but we, we get to the seeming high point of uh, Solomon and Solomon, the son of David, and uh, we reach our next word, uh, fulfillment. Because it seems as if under Solomon there has been a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And here's this wonderful description of Solomon's reign. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, 
and they were happy. There, there we go. That's the promise that God made to Abraham. You know, Abraham's offspring would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They would experience blessing. And, you know, what, what is more blessed than to, to eat and drink and to be happy? And again, if we were to, to read the verses around there, we'd see the nations coming to uh, Solomon, to, to bless Solomon and to be blessed by Solomon. It seems as if, you know, the, the world has been fixed. Uh, God's covenant uh, has been fulfilled. And yet, again, if we uh, read, we know that things don't continue that way. And very quickly, we go from fulfillment to our next word, which is failure. If 1 Kings 4.20 is about fulfillment, 2 Kings 24.20 is about failure. Here's what 2 Kings 24.20 says. It was because of the Lord's anger that all this happened to Jerusalem and Judah. And in the end, he thrust them from his presence. Uh, Israel, the nation, had been split in two, and both parts, north and south, are exiled. Uh, they're exiled because of their sin, their rebellion against God. Just like Adam was exiled from the garden, Israel is exiled from the land because of God's wrath, because of their sin. And so it seems hopeless. What, what has happened to God's promise? Well, with Israel's failure, a new type of communication uh, becomes more prominent, and that is uh, prophecy, uh, where we see the focus on, and this is our next word, future. The focus is on the future. So, uh, we could look at lots of uh, promises in the prophets, but here's one from Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So he, here, in a sense, uh, Isaiah, God through Isaiah is repeating that promise to Abraham. I'm going to bless the world, but I'm going to do it in a way that uh, is so different to the past that you won't uh, remember the past. So there's, there's continuity and there's discontinuity. There's discontinuity. Things are going to be so different, you won't even remember uh, the past. They're going to be so much better than the past. And yet there is continuity. So uh, as you read the prophets, often their, their promises are couched in terms of the, of the past. So that the prophets will speak about a new covenant. They'll speak about a new David, a new Jerusalem, and here, a new creation, a new creation. Again, that is the promise. That's what we're heading for. And uh, these kind of different um, stopping points throughout the Bible, just making the same point. We are, uh, we are longing for the time when the curse that lays over, lies over creation will be taken away and there will be a new creation. Well, that brings us to our next uh, word, uh, which begins with C, uh, which is Christ. And here in Mark 1.15, uh, Jesus' first words when he begins his ministry. And th they're words that when you read them without kind of all of the Old Testament background, you can kind of just um, skip over them. But really with the whole Old Testament, with its ups and downs, to read these words, you, you can't help but feel the weight of how significant what Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
Uh, when, we, when we had fulfillment uh, uh, earlier, we had fulfillment question mark. Now we have Jesus saying, the time is fulfilled. This time, really, all things are going to be made near. The, the kingdom of God, not, not a kind of vague idea of people being kind to each other, good as that is. The kingdom of God is a concrete reality that centers on the person of Jesus the King. He has come. He is going to fix the universe. Here is the second Adam who will resist the devil. Uh, just a few verses after this in chapter uh, 1 of Mark's gospel, it says that Jesus went into the, uh, the desert and was tempted by Satan. But he, unlike Adam, unlike Israel, he resisted that temptation. He has come to remove the curse. He has come to make all things new. How is he going to do that? Well, the next word is cross. And Galatians 3 verse 13 tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Jesus took the curse on the cross. Can you see that that great problem that existed from Adam's sin is dealt with by Jesus because he takes it on the cross. And as a result, the blessing of Abraham can come to the whole world. The fulfillment of that promise uh, in Genesis 12 that God will bring blessing for the whole world. And the form of that blessing is in the form of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit who, who makes all things new, who's already at work in those who believe in Jesus to, to renew us and who will complete that work of renewal when Jesus returns. Uh, again, I, I realize we're going very quickly, but hopefully you can just see a little bit of how understanding the Old Testament uh, enriches and deepens your understanding of uh, what Jesus has done and the significance of what Jesus has done, uh, where uh, there was failure for hundreds and thousands of years of Israel's history. Jesus takes the curse in himself and so secures the promised blessing for all people. And so our final word uh, is uh, creation, and it's uh, the, uh, the uh, passage that Jocelyn read uh, for us earlier, the new creation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the promise that Isaiah had made in Isaiah 65. And uh, it, it is a, a place, verse 3, where God will dwell uh, with his people. They will be his people, and God himself will be uh, their God. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And wonderfully, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And that's exactly what Isaiah promised. Uh, the, the old will go. It won't be remembered. And that is where the Bible is heading. And uh, we, if we read the last two chapters of, of Revelation, we get the sense that, that in, in new, the new creation is something that is tangible. Uh, you know, sometimes we have this kind of idea of heaven, you know, just floating, floating on clouds and playing harps. Uh, but no, it, it will be a, a, a tangible, physical 
existence. Uh, Jesus in his uh, resurrected glory has a physical existence. Our existence will be uh, physical. We will rule. We'll be active. Uh, It will be like life in the garden again, but without the potential for things to go wrong because Jesus has fixed it forever. Okay, so that's uh, the Bible in uh, nine words. Uh, Hopefully you know that we have left out an awful lot. Uh, I haven't really mentioned resurrection, Moses, David, lots of other things. Uh, But nine words, creation, curse, covenant, fulfillment, question mark, failure, future, Christ, cross, creation. The Bible is about God's plan to fix the universe, including us, through his Son. Uh, This is the story, the true story, that our lives fit into. So we we can pray, you know, Lord, what is your plan uh, for my life? That's not a bad thing to, to pray. But more importantly is to pray, Lord, help me to best use my life as part of your plan to bring all things together under Jesus, to fix the universe through him. So I think thinking about uh, that the, the Bible as a whole changes the way that we think about the Bible. It's not just a collection of kind of random books and random saying. There is an overarching story as we move from creation to new creation, as we move from curse to blessing. And it helps us to think about our lives because this is the story that we are part of. Uh, this is the story that we are part of. And this is where the universe is heading. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank and praise you that your plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in Jesus Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Our Father, we thank you so much for his work on the cross where he took the curse so that the blessing that you promised to Abraham might come to us Uh, in the form of your Holy Spirit, who is making all things new. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us the Bible. We thank you that it is so rich and so uh, full of uh, uh, helpful ways of of helping us to understand you and your your plan uh, for the universe. Please help us to continue to to read it, uh, to love it, and to hear you speak uh, through it. And we pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.